0: My name is Robert McKaylee, and I am the de facto head of Mystic Media over at Bismarck State College, and uh, I've served as that for the past two years, and I'm about to finish my tenure there.
1: All right, what is Mystic productions what is the name of that again mystic, <laughs> mystic media mystic media <laughs> yeah i knew it was alliteration but i drew a blank quick and here we are outside of the giant gorilla outside of the williston basin petroleum conference and i'm doing kind of a quick makeshift what do we call this putting you know duct tape together on an interview you know type of a thing and but well, that's okay that's how that's how we do it you know it's uh changing our oil we go going 90 miles down the interstate but anyway um Forgot why I was even going off on that little thing. Anyway, I don't have my notepad with. I didn't, didn't bring a pen and paper, and so I didn't get a business card. You don't have business cards, do you? No, unfortunately, I don't. Okay, but... and so that's why I could not remember Mystic Media. That was a very long explanation, and I'm sure I bored a lot of people. So let's find out more about Mystic Media. How long you guys been around? Or what do you guys do? So we've been
0: around as long as probably the Mystician newspaper has existed at Bismarck State College. Back when it was Bismarck Junior College, the Mystician started somewhere, if I remember correctly. Uh, in the late 50s and the early 60s and then from there it just expanded also out to radio as well as uh, news broadcasting slash variety show kind of style stuff and that's probably where we're best at it's uh, just giving people a technical education here in North Dakota about what they should do if they want to go into news journalism television or even print news still
1: you know i'm with the crude life so obviously the name is pretty pretty uh well what's the word transparent let's just call it that and we're not hiding what we are and what we're about uh, at the same time we have real honest conversations because listen at the end of the day 96 percent of what we use on a daily basis involves fossil fuels the media plays a big role in telling the story um I don't know how old you are, but, you know, you, you're in your mid-20s, it looks like, so uh, just talk to me a little bit about the relationship between oil and gas and media and you and your friends and just kind of how you were brought up with it. I'll give you an example. When I started The Crude Life, I actually started to investigate against oil and gas, actually. I had contracts uh, verbal with the New York Times and a few other bigger publications, so I went out to the Bakken as a method journalist, which I am. So when I went sky to do an article on skydiving, I'd actually skydive. To, you know, do, I'd, I'd try to do the things before I'd write a story on it, right? Well, I went out to the Bach and embedded myself for two weeks out there. And boy, my tune changed really quickly. I saw them as a... Uh, bringer of opportunity as a solver of problems now they're not batting a thousand but I come from agriculture so agriculture's got its its demons too we all do but at the end of the day do we want to get fed do we want to have our lights on so we want to make it a better place and in my my opinion I've seen the oil and gas industry have a very good body of work trying to do that again are they batting a thousand no few do so that's my example of kind of the way the and shape me because when I grew up oil and gas was kind of not a very positive thing and I was kind of that tail end or beginning end of it your generation totally different upbringing on it so I just wanted to preface it like that and if it's too heavy of a conversation that's cool too we can bypass that but I just thought I'd start with that.
0: Well, I think, yeah, no, I think these conversations need to be had. Um, I'd say my relationship is somewhat complicated. Um, on one hand, you have the very utopian ideas of a much brighter future that doesn't rely on the old ways. But at the same time, the old ways are so deeply entrenched in us uh, that it's very hard to kind of separate ourselves from them. So I, for context as well, I came to North North Dakota at the beginning of the gas boom for my first try around here at college, uh, up on the hill over in, uh, here in Bismarck. And I was there during the entirety of the oil boom, its decline here in North Dakota back in what 2016 I'd say, and then also uh, the Standing Rock protests as well. I believe I was um, a sophomore at that time. And so I'd say I definitely have a very interesting uh, idea of how the oil industry works out here because honestly some people do need jobs and need food absolutely. But there's other parts of me that recognize that labor need be compensated and that people, uh, I don't often feel that some people get their fair shake, especially in terms of like the structure of a large oil company sometimes. That's that's, my, that's probably my take on it.
1: <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that take, actually. That's very interesting, and I'm, I'm proud of you for bringing that up and having that perspective because I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. and I've really never heard it like that before. Most people get into the climate change and get into that. The, I call it the low-hanging fruit. Yours is a little bit layered and complex, so good for you for bringing that up. Do you guys address these complex issues at your media production company or the media what, what do you call it the uh, education wing of the media what yeah so uh,
0: basically we're just a mass communications department that has marketed ourselves really really well at this point and has uh, created something that like I mean our our stuff has increased tenfold but yes we do have these conversations um, on occasion we still talk about like the last oh even when I worked like before I returned back to college when I worked in car rentals we just, everyone still talks about Standing Rock and stuff like it only happens a few years ago and obviously it's still a point that is brought up often and also we have a lot of journalists that come in and talk to us who were reporting at that time, including uh, Mike McCleary, who's uh, with the Bismarck Tribune and he showed us his like whole photo portfolio of like his two days spent out there both inside of like you know the protesting camp and also like on the front lines and it's shocking to see and it brings up some very interesting conversations about media ethics like what do we take pictures when people expressly tell us not to? How do we photograph the police? How do we photograph protesters? What story do we tell when we tell a story in pictures and words?
1: Media ethics becomes very interesting because in order to tell both sides of the story you got to understand there's more than both sides of the story there's three four five six sides of the story and that's where it becomes very complicated and people like to live in a simple world so fortunately it seemed like the media has gone down to one polarity now it's like they give you one point of view instead of offering multiple things here on The Crude Life we interviewed uh, multiple people on the Standing Rock for example Tony Bender was one of the uh, examples he was he was there I think he wrote a book on it eventually but yeah he was very instrumental with the communication part of things and so i was i'm in fargo and at that time uh, i was not able to go there i went there but i wasn't able to spend the amount of time that mccleary or tony bender people who live here you know what i mean so uh tony bender was a great asset for us at the crude life to offer us boots on the ground you know uh, real but and he comes from a Democratic side of the aisle yeah. and so for us it was very interesting because for, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, if you're actually reporting what you see, that's that's what's going on and then we had Erin Uh she got shot by yes. the by, the police yeah. with the rubber bullets. And so we interviewed her to bring her side to the deal. We, we got some bad emails on that one because people were saying we shouldn't have gave her the time of day, everything else. And I'm wow. thinking, are you kidding me? A journalist goes to cover something, they get shot by rubber bullets? That should be front page news in my mind. What do you think about that?
0: I I think, like, so there has been so much uh, polarity around, like, especially the way that we talk about news and news media to the point where some people just outright don't believe journalism in any way, shape, or form. I mean, we obviously bring our biases to the table and we try to separate ourselves as much as possible and be factual. Like, I have my opinions. I have my opinions on labor. I just express those. But something that I think also needs to be addressed is, In theory, we are supposed to be separating ourselves, and also, I I know exactly what report you're talking about and everything, um, because it was big news, uh, at least to me, because I'm like, what is this, that journalists are getting shot by rubber bullets, and then we continue to see that trend, unfortunately, and I just think like, hey, when something happens to a person, and they have evidence, maybe we should give them the time of day, (laughs) that we should
1: no I agree and so I'm glad that you're recognizing these things and being able to identify the layers behind stories sometimes I think that like I come from the magazine world where you have to have layers otherwise you know you have a very difficult time because that's just the way the magazine industry was built and so sometimes I think that works against me in today's world because people you know people like the easy button you know and Well, I always bring up the weather as an example. The weather is very complicated. It's probably one of the most complicated (laughs) things that we could ever try to understand. Yet, we're okay with, and we want somebody just to stand up on a video screen and say, it's going to be sunny today. That's about as simplified as you can get of one of the most complicated things out there in the universe, right? So, people like easy. But um, what are you teaching your kids. Are, are you teaching them facts? Are you teaching them ethics? Are you just teaching them clickbait? Talk to me about, you know, kind of what's going on in the world of journalism, how you're educating the kids today.
0: So fun fact, I'm not actually a teacher at all. Uh, I am the student head of the productions where I was. I'm actually just graduating tomorrow. Um, and so, but I do assume a certain leadership role. And so do all the other amazing people, all the amazing educators that uh, that work with uh, uh, that work to make sure that we get the proper education so yeah we do have like a whole dedicated media ethics class actually um, when I have a story that sometimes seems a little too biased my uh, advisor she says no let's let's take another look at this okay let's let's reword some things let's make sure that like you know we keep this as straight to news as possible and we try to emulate that in our newspaper uh, our Mysticast, which is uh, you can look up on youtube uh, has become definitely much more of a variety show which i don't think is bad because creativity is a part of media and something that should be encouraged absolutely and then uh, in the radio station you know we just try to be entertaining so you have all facets from like the factual stuff to also just what makes good entertainment and also how do you make good entertainment when you point a camera or when you turn on the microphone
1: I'm a little embarrassed here because you did mention you were a student, and I forgot through the interview because you carry yourself so well. You've got a bright future ahead of you. You, I mean, I, the way the way you spoke, I assumed you were just an instructor or an advisor. I thought you were as like a student advisor, like an advisor to the whole thing. But uh, I'm glad that you were able to understand the question and transition it into the proper context. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much for being professional, and I apologize for those listeners out there to say does he even listen to his guests <laughs> so, anyway, it happens <laughs> folks it happens it so happens. I, it does it happens I, like I said I didn't bring my notepad with so I'm going off memory here but I'm glad to see that uh you've got some a good head on your shoulders that Bismarck is is teaching some ethics and making you redo and rethink and offering some layers to the thought what's next for you what, what, what do you plan on doing well, I actually have developed quite
0: a love for sports production over time. Um, that was part of like my internship, and I worked for the school as a sports director, essentially. Like, hey, get me these shots, follow this on camera, Here, it's time to do an instant replay, stuff like that. And I think the future looks bright for that, but I definitely am leaning much more towards uh, podcast production. In particular, um, I have a certain love, uh, this is getting a little personal, but I have a love for horror especially and I want to explore um, horror fiction in more depths as best as I can because I think we can learn a lot from it as well so that's just a personal pet project of
1: mine hey man that's okay my favorite movie is Friday the 13th I'm a huge Heck Jason yeah. Voorhees fan Heck so yeah. growing up as a kid I loved horror movies and now there's n- nothing beats, a nice Friday, Saturday night horror movie. Just I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm the same way, man. I love horror movies.
0: Yeah, I I love them. Uh, I grew up on games like Resident Evil. I grew up on movies like, well, I'd say my first horror movie was Jurassic Park, possibly, and I watched that way too young for like, come on, it's scary when you're a kid. Like, when you're a five-year-old kid watching Jurassic Park, but you can't look away because cool dinosaurs, and then from there, just blossomed into a love from Friday the 13th, like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street,
1: Uh, Hellraiser stuff like that by the way Jurassic Park is probably scarier than Friday the 13th because Friday the 13th is just fun campy horror Jurassic Park is like that shit could happen. The <laughs> ethics of
0: creating life in that Frankensteinian way, with no regards for safety, is terrifying to me as an adult,
1: especially. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the real horror behind it, that. that. That could actually happen. I don't think a guy coming back from the dead after getting his head cut off 14 times, getting struck by lightning, and that regenerates him with a machete, that ain't happening dinosaurs that could <laughs> well the permafrost is, is meant is is uh you know it's been thawing out who knows what's gonna come out of there it could have a woolly mammoth come out of there with the dna that we've got going but that brings up ethics and journalism so as we conclude the interview um let the oil and gas companies the, the oil and gas industry just what can they do to connect with your your age group. What what things would you like to see industry to do to connect more with the youth because they need to? Well, I'd say first
0: off, if we're going to talk on like the rawest level, I really want to see equitable value towards labor, especially towards the people, the blue collar workers out in oil fields, especially because, you know, any politician can say that. But I'm, I'm talking raw. They are the ones doing the absolute labor and i believe they should get a f- real fair shake and especially i think there should be a certain level of transparency like private companies uh i mean obviously like they have a right to operate and stuff but i believe that if there's more transparency and more of a motive to move towards perhaps more a certain channel where we can find perhaps more meaningful ways to improve the industry rather than keep in the same set mindsets, I think that's what will definitely, uh, read more towards my age group in the end and that's just my opinion i'm sure there are some with probably uh who say less and who are a little more extreme but i I think that's a good stepping stone to getting the conversation really started and conversation does need to happen
1: well i appreciate you coming out to the williston basin petroleum conference here and having that conversation and i wish you luck and please tell uh, the people back at Bismarck State College, anytime that they want to lean on the crude life, we're more than happy to help out any of the students. If you guys need a voice out to the energy industry, for whatever reason, you got a fundraiser or you're happy about what they did or upset about what they did, lean on the crude life and we'll give you a voice anytime, okay? Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, sir. Awesome.